Well, good morning, everybody. I know it's a little odd moving up to the stage, but I was informed after first assembly that I, all, I, all I was was just a silhouette uh, standing down here where it's really, really dark. Uh, standing up here, the glare of my forehead may uh, get to you, but, but regardless, we'll try to choose the lesser of two evils. So, man, it's great to see uh, you all. It really, really is. What an interesting time, right? Who would have who thunk it? Uh, that even just a few months ago, we might find ourselves in a situation like this. But here we are. And uh, I just got to tell you, I am just so amazed at how our church has responded in the past 48 hours. I'll share a few examples of that with you here in just a little bit. Um, but even in the midst of lots of moving parts, uh, God just continues to show us how good He is. And we just really, really are seeing our church show up uh, in some pretty incredible ways. Just a couple of things to think through as we start our time together in our, our, our worship, our, our sermon time this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 17. If you want to turn your Bibles there, we'll get there in a little bit. We got a few other things we got to take care of first. First of all, I want to let you know that we we may or may not be here next Sunday. I just don't know. Uh, we are putting in place uh, live streaming capabilities on Tuesday, and barring any unforeseens, we will be able to live stream uh, next Sunday and forward, and kind of regardless of how this plays out, we'll probably do that anyway. That'll be a wonderful service for our shut-ins, or if you're traveling abroad, you can log in, uh, hopefully via the website or some other media, and worship with us no matter where you are. So we're excited to get that put in place. I would encourage you just to pay close attention to email and uh, also uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and if you have any questions at all, call the church office. We plan business as usual here. We're open 8 to 4 every day. We plan to be open 8 to 4 every day unless uh, we hear otherwise. I uh, also want to um, let you know about what's happening in our small groups today. Our small group leaders just absolutely stepped up to the challenge. We have got, we're, we're, we're meeting as a church today, we're just doing it in different locations. And so we've got small groups all over Brazos County that are meeting. Um, I know that ours is meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. We've already got six couples who told us they'll be there. And that's happening in small groups all over the place. And so if you don't uh, have a small group, I uh, want to let you know, just please call the church office this sometime this week. We will help you get connected. Speaking of small groups, while it's on my mind, the small group that meets in the chapel is not going to meet here tonight. Uh, we are going to continue to have um, the building open. If you want to come get uh, communion supplies for your small group, uh, that's going to be available for the rest of the day. But the chapel class will not be meeting tonight, so please just keep that in mind. Should have said the chapel small group. Sorry, wrong, wrong word. Uh, over the next several weeks, we just need to be flexible. Okay, can I get an amen on that? Just got to be flexible and uh, see what the Lord uh, brings our way. And uh, most importantly, I just want to encourage you to uh, pray. So Tim Brandon is here. Tim's going to come up, and uh, he and I are just going to bat a few questions back and forth. Uh, Tim uh, is, as uh, most of you know, a medical doctor. He is also one of our elders here at the church. 
And uh, so we thought we would leverage a little bit of his expertise this morning and just uh, ask a few questions of him, starting with, from the eldering perspective, uh, talk to us a little bit about kind of what, uh, what happened over the last few days, the rationale for the decisions that we've made. Thanks. And, and thank you for being here. And thanks for uh, being understanding and flexible. Like uh, Greg said, this past week, there's been a lot of communication. And of course, you know, sometimes when things tough happen, people tend to scatter and get sparse. But it says a shout out to the staff and the leadership here. It's been really great to see people come together and really try to work on how do we, how do, we do this really well. And there's something to be said for crisis management. And that's a whole different category. But what it seems as though this past week is happening is what, how do we have opportunity management? What is it that God would have us to do and to be and to help with folks? How can we do this really, really well? In thinking about the health risk, obviously that's a significant component for us. So in thinking about that, we had a lot to, to talk about and you know, God bless us with a big place. If we'd had a smaller place, we couldn't have done even this this morning. So, so please know that it was a lot of thought and prayer that went into trying to keep people safe, but there's, the, there's that you know, prepare and panic you know, scale that we've all seen online and everywhere else. So there are places up north where, where this is a huge church. I mean, you wouldn't have 100 people in a place. You can go to South Dakota and talk with a man this morning. He's like, they had 25 people in their thriving church. So that we have an infrastructure of small groups to call on is a huge blessing. And so that God would allow us to have people with opportunity to meet in ways that continue to have the body of Christ thriving is just awesome. And so we've talked about the first century. The first century didn't have things like this and they were a great church. We think about our, our brothers and sisters in China and other people in the country, uh, in the world right now, who, who never have opportunity to be in this type of venue. If you think about being here on a game day in the fall, to be able to sing and worship with 1300 people, that's a pretty rare event. But there are a lot of people through our world who meet in small groups. They don't call them small group, they call it their church. And they pray and they help each other, they see what needs there are, and maybe this is an opportunity for us to go into that mode and see what that has to offer us. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that so much. What, uh, just from a practical health, uh, just speaking from a health perspective, what's What's something you would say to us as far as physical health is concerned? A couple of quick things, and, and it's too long to go into this one. I'm, I'll be afterwards here for a while. If you have any specific questions, feel free to, to come find me here. Um, this is an airborne type of thing. So sharing air with people is not healthy right now. We, we, we're in Texas. We handshake. We hug. But for the time being, sharing air is not helpful. And then sharing contact surfaces as well. Um, an adaptation of something I saw online earlier early this week was, you know, our parents and grandparents were asked to go to war. We're being asked to stay on the couch and wash our hands. Let's do it. When you think about it that way, as, as bold as we are, as American as we are, as Texan as we are, we're being asked for social distancing. And there's social distancing, social isolation, there's quarantine, there's kind of a spectrum there. What we're being asked right now by our government is to say social distancing. So if you can reach out and touch the person next to you, that's, you're sharing some degree of air. Not the same as face to face, but that's, that's probably a good distance. So if we do this again later, I mean the people you're within touching distance of right now are probably people you're sharing a little bit of air with. And again, with our population not having a known case, it's a little different than when we do have cases here, probably in the upcoming weeks. But 
if we do this in other types of situations, being more than six feet away from someone is in a room this size is a safe thing for now with this type of situation. Washing hands, sanitizing things, um, that's all kind of part and parcel of this as well. All right, awesome. What about spiritual counsel? What can we do spiritually? Oh, this is a great opportunity. This is a lot better. So don't feel like you're a victim of anything. Don't feel like you are resource poor. As a follower of God, you have the Holy Spirit. There is no greater tool. So how do you use the tool in the time of war? Will you, what war is this? this is, there is spiritual warfare going on. You can look at Facebook and see the spiritual warfare going on. Panic, fear, hopelessness, uh, criticism. And we just thought the political scene was our biggest problem this year, right? Oh, no, it's an election year. Things will go to pot. Well, you can't even hear about that now. People have other things to talk about. So spiritually, there's someone in your circle, someone in your life that needs your encouragement right now. They're pretty uncertain. They're not healthy. They're by themselves. They need to have a need. And so to encourage someone in your circle would be awesome. Praying for someone. Pray for someone who you just, as their face pops in your head, just pray for them. That may be the moment they need to make a good decision about how to live out in some of this life. There are things you can do also uh, resource-wise with your health. Uh, the, this virus has shown that it's, it's kinder to the younger people, although the younger people don't want it either. There's some bad stuff you can still have happen, even though there's other things other than dying that are, that are not healthy. So there may be opportunity for you to use your youth and your health to do things, and Brian's going to talk about that a little bit later as well. But meeting with people, if there's a safe way in which you can meet with someone, go to a park. If you normally have an accountability partner or person, don't just suspend this. Isolation is where the devil gets us, right? So find a safe way. Go to a park. Go for a walk. FaceTime somebody. But we're going to have to fight back and keep the community relation because I can look at people now and say, I just feel an energy being in the same room with Charlie, even though he's 100 feet away. So don't give up that just because of this virus outbreak, but do utilize it for good. Awesome. 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 Tim, thank you so much. As he said earlier, he's going to stick around afterward. If you guys want to chat face to face or have any additional questions, he'd be happy to answer those. And I, you know, I, I think it is intriguing that obviously this is serious, obviously. I mean, you know, but, but it's also kind of really neat that every once in a while we can just kind of back up and, and um, you know, experience a little bit of levity. I saw a, a meme online already today that said uh, Chuck Norris was diagnosed with the uh, with uh, COVID nineteen, and now uh, COVID nineteen is under quarantine. So uh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, we uh, we have to at least keep a little bit of a little bit of a sense of humor, but at the same time, you know, uh, even on the faith side, a seriousness that God. God's got it, and God's in, under control. Uh, it's all under control because because the Lord is the Lord is always in control. Uh, one of the things that I've seen in the last forty eight hours is that this is just bringing out the best of us, and I mean us as a church, but also I'm just seeing lots of ways that believers all over the world are responding. I received three or four texts yesterday, an additional five or six emails in the last twenty four hours from people who said, if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know, anything. I'll go get groceries, I'll walk a dog, I'll go pick up, uh, pick up someone's prescription. And so that's the kind of servant hearts that we have in our church. And what happens is that anytime there's a, there's a crisis or something happens that we can't get our heads around, you know, Christians just, Christians just rise up. 
because we know that we serve a greater and a higher purpose. Brian uh, Miller's here this morning, and Brian's actually going to just share this really creative, uh, not just creative, but this, this amazing step into faith that our AFCers um, brainstormed over the last 24 hours. And so he's just going to share a couple of thoughts about what God is doing through the AFC. So Brian, tell us about it. Okay, good morning. So most of our students are going to be here. Um, Some of them are already here. And many more are headed back for this week, even though it is a spring break week. And the most are seeming, uh, they're, they're making the decision primarily to be here and remain in town, even though most of their classes are going online. But what the AFC wanted to do was create a way that we could help and bless those who, because of this unusual time, might not be able to do some of their ordinary errands or some of their normal things that they would do or feel uh, safe doing that now they might feel might be more risky. And so we have a way to do that. So we have students, and I have been communicating with them through social media and group meetings, and there's been a great response of people who are willing to help that are our students, our AFC students. And so what we have is this uh, little blurb here that we're going to put on social media, both for the church and for AFC, but in other ways as well, to make an easy avenue for people to get help doing any sort of thing. Now, on here, we mentioned groceries, mail, pharmacy, uh, gas in your vehicle. Obviously, we couldn't do an exhaustive list. But it's a simple way to reach out. It's just AFC helpers at gmail.com. And then we would get the request and then we would contact you. And you can put anything in that email. You can put just groceries and a contact number or just a contact number. Please call me. What we didn't want to do is make those who were seeking help type out a huge explanation, although that is welcome as well. But just maybe give us what, we, what you need. We'll contact you. Then we can just drop stuff off in the mailbox, pick something off the front porch, do whatever it is that would be of the most help. I know one of the important things is that we would love for this to be helpful to our church community, but uh, to the greater community as well. So we'd love for you to tell people who you know who don't maybe have a church home or maybe not family in town, and a lot of people have support groups. But we would like to step into those spaces. So in your uh, neighborhoods, um, someone told me about this Nextdoor app. I, I don't know all the possibilities and ways that you communicate with your circle of friends that don't worship here, but we would love to meet those needs. We have students who are going to be here, and they're willing to do it, and they would love to do it. We want to be able to be used by God to bless people because it will bless us. And... Um, we're just inviting you to do that. It's simple. It's easy. AFCHelpers at gmail.com, and somebody will get back with you, and we'll make it just as simple as that as far as taking care of needs whenever they arise. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Brian. Isn't that incredible? That's really, 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 really neat to see how our AFCers are rising up to the challenge. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. Okay, a couple of more moving pieces, and then we'll, we'll get into the text this morning. So we do need a couple of volunteers here if we continue to meet here, <laughs> at least for the next few weeks. And even after that, we're probably going to still need volunteers to fill this role. Uh, we need some uh, help just uh, disinfecting our facility. Uh, we will clean the building every night. 
okay? Every evening, we will uh, clean the facility. Last night, someone was in here wiping down all door handles and light switches and countertops, and so the building is probably cleaner than it's been in, in a really, really long time because we have scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed. But uh, in, in subsequent weeks, if we have like um, first assembly, then we would need to disinfect the building between first assembly and second assembly. Uh, if we re-engage Bible classes, we will need to disinfect between Bible classes and between worship assembly. So we're just talking about taking spray bottles and, you know, disinfecting door handles, high-touch areas, basically. So we have some sign-up sheets here at the front. Uh, we have a couple of sign-up sheets at the back. Or you can go to am.church forward slash plug-in. And you can sign up there. That is live. If you got your smartphone with you, you can actually do that right now. Last thing we need to do is um, we've learned lessons from other countries, churches in other countries who've been dealing with this for a lot longer than we have. And one of the things that the church in Singapore, right, Kelly, did um, was to make sure that anytime there was a gathering, they knew who was there. So if someone is or gets infected, um, they are able to trace it to a time and place and to see who has been exposed so that health officials can move very, very quickly. So our youth group is going to help us this morning pass out cards. The youth group showed up this morning. And so what we just would like to ask you to do is just take one of these white index cards, and the girls are just going to pass those out this morning. And what will help us is all you got to do is just put your name on there. That's all we need, just name. We don't need, we don't need cell phone. We don't need address. We don't need anything else. And then on the way out this morning, we're actually going to have communion as we leave. It'll be the last thing we do. And if you would be so kind, you can just drop that card into the collection plate um, at that time. And again, all we just need, just your first and last name, and that's, and that's it. And that's just a good safety measure, but it also lets us communicate to our community that we're taking this very seriously. Uh, we don't want to just, you know, uh, snub our community, and um, we want to make sure that folks knows, know that we're approaching this with a lot of humility as well as engaging in best practices. All right, so are we all good so far? We're all good? We're all hanging in there? All right, awesome. Let's take a little bit of time this morning. Briefer sermon than normal because we had to front load with some of those announcements. Matthew 17. I just want to read together the first eight verses. I'm going to make a little bit of commentary as we go along on these verses. And then just a couple of takeaways for us this morning as we think about the timing and the truth that is in this text. Uh, first of all, this text was chosen several months ago. We originally had planned to preach it next Sunday, but next Sunday was scheduled to be Communication Sunday on our capital campaign, uh, which the elders are meeting this afternoon at 2 o'clock to decide what we do about that. And so uh, they're also deciding about upcoming assemblies Wednesday nights, next Sunday, etc. So if you are so inclined at 2 o'clock today to pray for our elders, that would be great. Um, but uh, the, the text that we're reading this morning, I don't think could be better timed. Because there's something that's happening in this text. There is an unknown that those who are present experience. It's unlike anything they've ever experienced before. 
and I'm talking particularly about the disciples who have gone up on this mountain with Jesus. And we're in a place as a culture where we are experiencing something unlike we've ever experienced before. And so we see where their focus ultimately ends up being. The question for us this morning is, where will our focus ultimately end up being? Matthew 17, beginning at verse 1. After six days, and this is an important term because we've just passed the Day of Atonement, and so the Festival of Booths is just finishing. They're just completing this this 24-hour festival cycle. And so we'll make more sense of that here in just a moment when Peter asks a question. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and and, uh, John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Now, as we read through this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to count the number of times you see the word them or they. Okay, just kind of make a little bit of a quick tally in your mind. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Boy, wouldn't you like to know what they were talking about? Wouldn't it have been great if we'd had the entire conversation recorded? Uh, Was it casual? Hey, Moses, it's been a while. Good to see you. Or, you know, was it much, much more profound? Moses kneeled before Jesus and and passed the baton of, of the law. Did Elijah say that now the mantle of all the prophets is upon you? I don't know what they were talking about, but they were having conversation. Interestingly, Peter, who typically likes to just take charge, uh, who likes to use the adage, ready, fire, aim. You've heard that before, right? Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three, and what's the word? Shelters. What's just coming to a conclusion? The festival of shelters, okay, or, or Sukkot is the uh, Hebrew word for the, the festival that they're experiencing here, tabernacles. You, you may have been on A&M's campus when the festival of tabernacles is going on. Orthodox Jews still practice this. So they will erect a tent or a temporary shelter to hang out in because it reminds them of what? Do you know? First of all, the temple is the first thing that it reminds them of, but it also reminds them of God's provision when they left Egypt and were in the wilderness, how that the Lord protected them, how he was ultimately their shelter. And so Peter is is in full uh, feast of tabernacle mode, and he asks here, Lord, can we create a shelter for them? And I just think God sometimes has a really, really great sense of humor because the text then tells us while he was still speaking, in other words, while Peter is talking, God goes, And a bright cloud overshadows them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, 
they fell face down to the ground, and they were terrified. But Jesus came and he touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So this passage is about a lot of things, but I couldn't help but wade into a little bit of alliteration this morning. <laughs> and there's really three, three Ps that just kind of jump off the page at me. This is really about parallels, and it's about purpose, and it's about promise. Parallels are pretty easy. We've seen some of the Old Testament ties already, uh, even a few that are a little more subtle, like the cloud, for example. The cloud that came over Sinai, the cloud that guided them through the wilderness, the light imagery that goes all the way back to the creation account, uh, the tabernacling imagery, Elijah, Moses. It's just so fascinating to see how much parallelism is going on here. Even the voice coming from heaven and drawing a parallel back to Jesus' baptism. It's also a passage about purpose. This is the defining moment in Jesus' ministry, basically when he is declared Messiah, because Moses passes the baton of the law. Elijah passes the baton of the prophets, and, and Jesus is declared here as Messiah, but it's also about promise, promise of what is to come in Christ. I think this passage is about a lot of things. I think these sum up a lot of what's going on here, but if we really boil it down to its essence, although this shows us what Jesus is doing, it's really a, a passage about a lesson that the disciples need to learn or a promise that they need to hope in. Um, I, I think Jesus is providing what I would call a deep well experience here. Because over the course of their faith, they are going to need a very, very deep well from which to draw. And knowing and trusting in Jesus, no matter what life brings, and for these individuals, it was going to bring a lot, a lot of persecution, a lot of hardship, a lot of unexpected. As far as we know, John is the only one of these present who lives a very long life. All of the rest of them, history tells us, were put to death in very tragic and horrible means. So they were going to need a very deep well from which to draw. And again, I think the focus is on them. I don't know if you did the, the tally marks in your mind. How many times do you see the word them or they just in those eight verses? It's like about ten times, right? that we see that in there. And if we start incorporating their names, it's even more than that, that this is really a story about what are the disciples needing to learn. Well, I think, as I've said earlier, most of it was about knowing that Jesus is Messiah. And, and, I, and I will put it this way, I think they need this, I would call it an aha moment. Have you ever had those? You ever had those? When you learn something new and you go, oh, oh, now I see. Now I get it. Um, I have had many aha moments in my life, uh, but as I think about experiences and, and places I've been and people that I've encountered, I, I, I just can't even still begin to get my head around what happens in this particular time in this particular place. This may be one of the most profound of all aha moments. Jesus is the Messiah. 
they needed that particular aha moment because that was the segue into this deep well from which they were going to be able to draw. And I think it's so incredibly important in our day and time. Have you already read misinformation about the coronavirus? Anybody? Okay, like if, if you use vodka and something else, it'll work to kill it. Okay, that was one of the myths that was running around, right? Uh, so there are all kinds of other things that are out there, misinformation. So where are we going to go for proper information? Where, where would be a great place to go for correct information? Shout it out. Yeah, how about the Centers for Disease Control, right? Probably going to be vetted, solid, good information there. Okay, so if we want to know about information of ultimate truth in Christ, to which source should we go? I'm thinking the Bible is a good place, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking the Bible is a good place. And so there are myths out there, and I came across this information from a, a, a book called The Disciple, Disciple Maker's Handbook, and I'm just really falling in love with this resource. I plan to utilize uh, some of the material for some sermons over the next few weeks. I'm going to save that, okay, uh, for a few months from now. But one of the things that the authors of this book point out, they, they, they point out some of the prevailing myths that are out there. I just want to share a couple of these with you. The first is called the performance myth, and that is the best way to make your life count is through personal accomplishments that others can see, and so I get my sense of worth based on what others see in me. Another is the comfort myth, and that is do everything you can to avoid pain and discomfort, and you're going to have a great life. Another myth is the money myth. Earn as much as you can, save as much as you can. A great legacy is all about financial security. The other one is a pleasure myth. You only live once, so live it up. Make that bucket list and, and do it all. And while I look at these things in moderation, I don't necessarily think they're intrinsically right or wrong, but if that's it, if we adopt any of these myths or other prevailing myths that are out there and that's what we put our hope in, that's what we put our trust in. I think long-term, we're just in for a tremendous amount of disappointment. As disciples, we are called to something, or maybe said even better, we're called to someone who gives us a much higher purpose. Because when all is said and done, two questions will ultimately reflect the measure of our lives. One, was I a disciple of Jesus Christ? Two, did I help make other disciples of Jesus Christ? That's about it. That's about as much as, <laughs> that's about as, much as I, can, I can boil it down to as far as the essence of what we will be measured against. I think it's important for us to see in this text, there is this unknown dynamic that is occurring here. I think it's so powerful in this text that in the unknown, Jesus makes himself known. At the moment of, of greatest fear, of greatest concern, Jesus, Jesus is all that's left. Let's go back and look at the text, beginning in verse 6. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, and they were terrified. Put your emotion word in there. They were terrified. They were upset. Uh, we had a, I had a great conversation with Milena earlier between, uh, between assemblies about just people even just feeling disappointed 
So much has been canceled. So much has been changed. So much has been pushed out into the future. Some things that people had hoped for for years, they're not going to get to experience it because of this season of, of, of their lives intersecting with this moment that we're in. So, so fill in the blank here. Put whatever word you want. Put whatever emotion word in that you want. But Jesus came and he touched them. And he, and he said, just, you know, get up. Stand up. Don't be afraid. And then I love this next verse, verse 8. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So above all else, no matter where our focus is and no matter what happens, who do we need to look to? Who do we need to look for above all else? You tell me, Jesus. Absolutely. A few practical things I just want to ask you to consider over the next few weeks. First is, read the news, but read your Bible more. Okay? Read your Bible more. Second, I would say stay informed, but please stay calm. There are no sports. Okay? There are no sports. Not much is happening. Uh, Judge Steve Smith was in our first assembly. There are no jury trials. And I just got called for jury duty. So it looks like I'm going to be getting out of that one, at least for the short term. So think about how you are going to reinvest some extra time that God has given you. And I would encourage you to use it for spiritual or service-related purposes. Please support our elders uh, I don't know how many emails and phone calls and texts we exchanged in the last 36 hours, but they were plentiful. We had a lot of conversation going back and forth. The staff did as well. They just stepped up to the challenge. So please pray for our elders. They're taking the information that they're getting, and they're trying to put our best plan forward. So please support them in their decisioning. And then, of course, just pray, pray, pray. All right, we're at an interesting time in our journey. And I hope these words that we've shared today from Matthew 17 will be not only a blessing to you, but also a means for you to engage conversationally with those within your circle of influence. We're going to share a song together. After this song, uh, Jerry Fox is going to come and lead us in communion thoughts. And when we, when we have our time of communion today, it's going to be a little bit different and again, we're just going on recommendations of best practices that are out there, trying to avoid hand-to-hand -hand contact or repeated contact. So we actually will take communion as we leave this morning. So Jerry will pray, but if you want to pray again when you get out to the 40, you can certainly do that. And we're not on an emergency timetable here. You can hang around as long as you want. The building will be locked up about 9 o'clock tonight, so you can stay as long as you want, okay, uh, today and just make yourself comfortable. But uh, let's just uh, let's sing this song together, and then Jerry will come and, and lead us in some communion thoughts.